Because all our lives, we've heard cash is king. Cash is king. So we've very diligently and with thoughtful uncertainty have invested our hard-earned money into assets at the expense of keeping it in cash. And now we've come to this unusual place in our lifetimes where we are entertaining a thought such as, is cash is king or is cash trash? Brain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleashed Your Supernova. This is Nova Lorraine, your host and author of the newly released book, Unleash Your Supernova. If you have not yet had a chance to get to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or your favorite bookstore, do not hesitate another minute. Definitely get that book. Share it with a friend. It's all about how to survive the roller coaster ride of creative entrepreneurship. Also, how to increase your creativity and how to beat burnout. So go out and get that book, guys. Unleash your supernova. Tell a friend. And of course, if you love what you read, please leave a review. I am so excited to bring back one of our popular guests, Jaden Sage. And if you remember, Jaden Sage was with us last time speaking about collectibles. And he is the author of the upcoming book, The Future of Money. And so I'm so excited to bring him back today. We are going to be talking about, is cash still king or is it now trash? So we're going to dive deep into everything that's happening around cash and touch on other topics such as the crypto market, assets, and of course, circle back to collectibles because we did have a lot of interest on collectibles and how that fits into this big picture of the future of money. So without further ado... Jaden, hey. Hi, Nova. How are you? I am good. I am good. And I am excited for this conversation. I'm also excited for our new listeners because they are in for a treat. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time on the Unleash Your Supernova podcast, we talk about topics that are going to help you grow, help you tap into that limitless potential, help you find those superpowers that you already have. So, Today, we're talking about money because money obviously is interwoven throughout our life in all areas of our life, and it can either make our lives wonderful and or miserable, depending on what side of the fence you're sitting on. So super excited to dive deep into this topic today. Awesome. Awesome. So rumor has it you've been around the world and back recently. Yes, I have. And you know what? The moment or place we are in life right now with everything that's happening, I feel like we're sitting at a park bench, Nova, staring at the blue sky and wondering, how did we get here? Because all our lives, we've heard cash is king, cash is king. So we've very diligently and with thoughtful uncertainty have invested our hard-earned money into assets at the expense of keeping it in cash. And now we've come to this unusual place in our lifetimes where we are entertaining a thought such as, is cash is king or is cash trash? And wondering and looking out into that blue sky from that park bench and saying, how did we get here? (laughs) 
I was just going to say, I was waiting for you to finish this poem. I was like, okay, I didn't know Jaden was a poet too. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that we all need to take a moment and think and maybe in our own way go and sit on a park bench somewhere with the birds singing on a nice summer day. <laughs> it is summer for most of us north of the equator. Just take a moment to think about how deep this is because we have lived under a certain set of guidelines which was that if you're in positioned in cash you're positioned well even if it's ahead your financial situation may not be growing but at least it's parked in a safe position but with the element of cash as trash coming into our collective psyche that's a whole different dynamic that we may have to hopefully not deal with but that's where we're at so a little bit of pensive thinking is the order of the day for all of us okay so we're all going to start with that that a uh, short poem that jaden shared with us of the park bench <laughs> and then we're going to go into very various serious thought about this topic and that just made me think of a story with not my blood relative but a blood relative of someone that i know and after she passed away there was i guess in her will there was a note about i believe six figures buried in a container in the yard and i you know i remember hearing about stories of people that would put money under their mattress and they didn't trust the banks because of the great depression and this that and the other and so money cash was valuable enough to not put it into an institutional bank but instead actually hold that physical asset in a container under the ground <laughs> and so now we're having the conversation of if that whatever that amount was those six figures if that is even worth anything now so what are your thoughts about individuals that are still holding on to that physical asset that may it be in a savings account may it be under their mattress obviously the title of this show includes the question is this even a value anymore what are your thoughts about that Well I think the one of the things the way we view money there's so many different emotions so many understandings associated with money or labels associated with it but one of the best ways to view money I feel is as water money is like water mm-hmm. you cannot hold water try holding water in your hand it'll start dissipating out of your hand the best you can do when you have water in your hand is to either drink it throw it at somebody's face <laughs> in a it's playful manner or something the point is you must use that water you cannot just hold it because just like actual water money is like water it flows it comes into your hands and then it needs to continue moving along so money is literally that medium of exchange that flows whoever dams up quote unquote dams up this money just like water finds that it becomes stagnant it doesn't go on to serve any of your particular needs so while it may be a great hedge against uncertainty to hold cash the dilemma is do you want to continue to hold cash and in today's situation with potential inflation coming then you are in a difficult situation because your cash is losing value your dammed up water is becoming less and less every day due to quote unquote evaporation so your situation doesn't change for the better if you're holding it as cash now the problem is 
that where do you put that cash? Because as we can see everywhere around us, the stock market is contracting, the crypto market is contracting. So whatever you're buying is automatically by even through your actions, your cash value is going down. So let's say you put $10,000 in the stock market a month ago. Well, your 10,000 became 7,000 or 6,000. So you're auto losing through quote unquote evaporation your money. If you put it in crypto today, it may possibly regroup and go up, but if it continues on its descent downwards, then you're continuing to lose that cash as is. So damming up the money is first and foremost a huge situation. Now, there is that set of people or mindset that's now labeling cash as trash, primarily because of the infusion of so much cash coming into the economy via the Federal Reserve, but simultaneously recognize that Holding the money will, will not get you there, but calling it trash is also not going to get you where you need, which is a, a prosperous financial situation for yourself, for your family, for whatever business you're operating in. So it's that unusual position that we find ourselves in and hence why sitting at, at the bench and saying, how did we get here? How did we get to the point of knowing that cash was always considered king and you're in a king position when you have that cash to deploy and now you're looking at a horizon where cash there's too much cash so the value of your cash is going down wherever you aren't currently deploying that is also causing it to go down and if you just hold it the value of that money is also going down so across the board we're caught in this dilemma and we need to be very introspective as to what serves our particular purpose well rather than riding these waves the wave of the stock market going up, the wave of the crypto market going up. Every time you join a wave, you put yourself at the risk of wipeout, surfer terminology. I'm just going to jump in right there because I want to just backtrack a little bit. So you started with the analogy of water, which I thought was very powerful and visual and and it just reminded me of energy, right? Like you have to let that energy flow. You don't want to clog it. One thing turns into another. And so, so someone's like, yeah, great. I don't have it under my mattress. It's not in my savings account. I invested it into XYZ stocks or mutual fund. This is what I'm told to do. And I did that. So why am I paying the price? Or, hey, I bought a house. And, you know, we are raised to say, get an education, get a great job, buy the house, buy the car, and everything's going to be all set. So, okay, well, I bought the house, I bought the car, and I have my money into my 401k. Where did I go wrong? This is what I was told to do. And no, it's not underneath my mattress. I was told to reinvest it and I reinvested it. So you're saying now for this average person that's on the bench looking at the sky, they did everything they were told, but they're still screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Is this what you're saying? Yes, they are screwed. But here's the big takeaway. In all of the scenarios you just mentioned, the operative word was I was told to do this. I was told to do this. Everybody said, get a 401k. Everybody said real estate, or I was told that I need to put my money in the stock market. When you are following the wave of being told what to do and you're listening to other people, you miss the opportunity to engage your own inner intellect and your own inner convictions to come into the mix of your investments because you are going and riding the wave. 
people around you told you that you need to put money in stock market. So you're putting into the stock market. People said, hey, listen, you need to diversify and put into crypto. So you're jumping on the bandwagon and putting in crypto. Real estate, you may not know anything about real estate, but hey, I bought that house that has like, you know, 100,000 in repairs and now I'm struggling through that scenario. But so it's a matter of bringing yourself into the equation. It's a matter of bringing your intellect, your convictions, your due diligence, your research to go against the grain, to go against the wave and chart your own course. Most investments that are good investments, you're buying when everybody else is saying, ah, that's nothing. Everybody else is poo-pooing on it. And you, based on your uh, research, due diligence and conviction are saying, no, I believe this is going to be of value. And you're thrusting forward in that direction while everybody else is like, hey, I just don't see it. That's where the big money is made. Mm. So I do remember a point that you made in our last show on collectibles. You mentioned, well, two things that stand out to me. One is finding something you have interest in and finding out as much as you can about that and investing in that. And the other piece, which I thought was really interesting that I had never heard of before, is the more attention you put towards an investment, which makes sense, clearly, the more or the higher return you get back. So for example, if you are putting money into a mutual fund and you have a mutual fund manager from your company that's talking to another fund manager from the institution that's holding the money, you know, you're quite a few ways away from where that money is being invested and how it's being invested and what it's being invested into. You know, most people do not access in detail or follow in detail what's happening with all of the assets that their money is being put into with their 401k. So when you're saying now, don't follow the trend, my question was, well, what do I do? If an individual is listening to this and they're like, well, I'm not a financial expert. I'm not a financial broker. I'm busy. And if my friend here is an expert in collecting baseball cards and they tell me to invest in baseball cards, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm sort of bringing up those two points that you shared with us in our last show that we did together. But I also want to play devil's advocate with that person that is busy and they're they're not spending hours and hours a week learning about the markets or certain potential investment opportunities. What are your thoughts there? Well, energy flows where your attention goes, right? So if you're going to focus your attention, there's this human dynamic that's really in question here. We kill ourselves effectively every day to make our money, right? So we're, we're so careful, whether you're a business person or whether you, you work for somebody, you're efficient, you work hard, you tax your brain cells every day to capture the almighty dollar or whichever currency. Now, the problem is when it comes to investing, have you noticed how free flow and how easily we deploy that money? It takes forever for us to make it, but when it comes to investing, we're asking people around us to make the money. We ask ourselves, hey, how am I going to bring value to this economy and how am I going to make this money? And you put your blood, sweat, tears, soul into earning that money. But when it comes to investing, we're asking the idiot next door. And that is the biggest challenge that we want to not invest the same amount of energies in the deployment of that hard earned capital. And ask somebody else, ask a financial planner. Warren Buffett says Wall Street is the only place where people come in limos to ask for advice from people who took the train 
to their job. Ooh. <laughs> so you are smart enough to get the limo. You are smart uh. enough to get there in life. Now you're asking somebody with a label called a financial advisor who took the train to get there. So see how easy is how irresponsibly we treat the deployment of our hard-earned capital and then we look back and say well it didn't go right while the people who are advising you will just say well it's just the trend remember the trend is your friend until it's not <laughs> that's not true they can just say the financial advisor or your friend could just be like oh well the market changed everything tanked that's unacceptable you don't accept that in your own earning side of the equation you say no no we can't just oh well the company blew up okay guys pack up all 50 of you have now effectively lost your jobs because i made idiotic decisions no you don't hold yourself at that level but when it comes to money we don't want to put in the time effort and energy in that deployment of that capital and then we just assign the blame to the trend but recognize that there's an element of us in that equation where at inception we took substandard advice which is always substandard when it doesn't have your due diligence your research and your conviction involved if it doesn't have those three things then we did a substandard decision making process and then we assigned the blame to the trend or to that idiot friend we have to come back to us and look in the mirror and say wait a minute where did i drop the ball and you dropped the ball probably where your conviction or you hit it out of the ballpark pulled a babe ruth on us when you use your conviction to go against the trend against the tide and hit the ball right out of the park because you had conviction you had your research behind you all right well let me ask another question so if i'm 15 years old and i heard this podcast or at least i read the title is cash king and or is it now trash <laughs> and i stepped away and i didn't get a chance to listen to it what would you share with this 15 year old like what would you want them to take away we have our parents generation we're now doing the best we can what do we tell this new generation 15 years old they have about 3 years before they head out finish high school they would go out to college or maybe maybe start their own business or whatever they're going to do what would you share with them about cash and what they should be doing and thinking about cash actually doesn't exist cash is an understanding just like and i don't want to go off on the deep end of that but you do realize people worry about mondays there is no monday there is no tuesday we are moving the cyclicality of us moving through the universe we are moving in a singular direction out there there's no cyclicality we're not in the same space any time in a cyclical manner because our entire galaxy is moving away it's a expanding universe so you do not actually experience cyclicality you're in a new place every time so there is no monday there is no tuesday those are labels that we've attached to under human understandings the animal world, world doesn't wake up on our monday and say oh my god it's monday there is no monday for them that's a human condition or a human understanding just the same way cash is an understanding of an accountability of our production and uh, the value we're holding from our production post working on that production so cash is just an understanding so how you utilize that cash is everything that's where that concept of water comes in where it's just like water use it or lose it so you must find a way to use it effectively and where that comes back to that 15 year old is to invest in yourself 
Invest in yourself back as in do the research, build convictions. If you have conviction for a particular asset class, you will learn more about it. You will get to know it better than most and you will be able to go against the grain, against the tide and be able to say, I believe, say in crypto, I believe in Bitcoin and I've done my research and I don't care whether it's today at 60,000 and tomorrow at 5,000. If it's at 5,000, I'm buying more. It's the riding of the wave. Oh my God, it's at 60. Now it's down to 10. So I'm jumping ship. I'm going to sell all of this garbage and move on to the next trend. You'll always be in the losing position if you're buying the, the tops of these waves. That's true. So the 15-year-olds walking away with cash is not real and to invest in yourself. And the third point is take the time to find something you like, research that, put conviction in that so you can find the investment opportunities in that? Right. I mean, you if you look at a bell curve, right? Like, I don't want to go nerd out on you on the math side of this. But if you look at a standard bell curve, there's that beginning, then there's that top, and then there's that descent, just like a bell. So if you are going to invest when nobody's looking at it, and it's you have that conviction that this is going to be the next trend, then you're going to buy it at so much less. People who bought Bitcoin at 80 are not worried that today it's, say, at 30, 20. It doesn't matter. They bought it at 80 bucks. They're good. So <laughs> they're going to be fine. But just recognize and stop that hindsight is 2020. When you were buying it at 80 bucks, the, at that time, you were looking at Bitcoin and saying, this is just a mathematical code. And I'm putting, say, $800 into something that could just go nowhere. And back then, that was right after the last depression. So $800 or recession, $800 had real value and real money, not like in today's world. But back then, in 2011, $800 was real. So if you're going to put $800 towards this new asset class developing, nobody knows what the hell it is. It's just a mathematical code. It could get hacked. Ever heard of Mt. Gox? So there you were with all of these contingencies, putting your money. It wasn't that easy. Now it seems idiot proof. But back then, you really needed to have serious steel-like conviction in order to deploy $800 to something that could evaporate tomorrow. So it's not that easy unless you're looking in hindsight. Yeah, no, that's true. So it goes back down to that one thing. If you've done your research, if you've done your conviction and you've taken a position based on your conviction, the market rides up and down, achieve irrelevancy for you. You become the Zen master of your own fate. Ooh, here we go. Going back into that poetry again. <laughs> it's a philosophical time. We've all lost money in the stock market. We've all lost money in crypto market. If you're not going to get a little philosophical, poetic, philosophical now, then I don't know. I don't know. You must be drunk. <laughs> this is the perfect time to be poetic and philosophical. Now, I can listen. I could be philosophical, poetic every single day of my life. Okay. Those are two things that I absolutely love. You know, this is a very hot topic right now and relevant for many reasons. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on NFTs. First, just explain it and then share your thoughts really quickly before we switch to the next uh, section. Sure. NFTs, non fungible tokens, are going to be the rage that will actually give application to the blockchain market in a way like the iPad gave an application to a tablet. Because this is the ability to take an asset 
and now assign it a value, whether it's digital or whether it's even non-digital, you could now you're effectively to encapsulate this into an understanding NFTs and tokenization of assets, real world or digital is going to revolutionize our existence. Why? When you go to a restaurant, let's say Nova, you like a particular restaurant. I like a restaurant and we hit it up often. And we were like, you know what? I love this restaurant. There are always people here. This place really makes money. I wish I could invest in it. Well, if you go up to the owner and say, hey, I, I love your restaurant. I want to invest. He'll be like, okay, do you have a million? Do you have 500,000 at least in order to become a partner in my restaurant? Of course you don't. And you wouldn't want to do that because, you know, you could diversify yourself. But now you could, if they tokenize their ownership, you could literally go around and say, you know what? I like this restaurant. I'm going to buy a thousand dollars worth of this restaurant. And then I also like that other Chinese restaurant over there. I'm going to go over there and invest $1,000 in that restaurant. That is tokenization of assets. And the same thing applies for a Van Gogh. It applies for my 57 Chevy Bel Air that I passed <laughs> up on. So anything of value in our economy, we will all be able to share in it. Now, again, it goes back. You don't want to buy it because some other person is buying this digital asset or a real world asset. You're going to want to have your conviction. And if you notice, I said a restaurant that you feel has a lot of value, you attended, you experienced it, and you want to engage in it as an investor. Now you're going to have that opportunity, but your conviction story still doesn't go away. You won't just want to throw it because your friend goes to some restaurant and he's encouraging you to invest in that restaurant. And when you walk in, you're like, the service is terrible. The food isn't that great. And why did I invest in it? Oh, because my friend told me to. So again, that conviction component and that due daily will still be there. Oh, I love that. I loved how you explained it as well. And so for the individual that's listening to this right now, what would you advise them to do around NFTs if it's something that they have a conviction for? Absolutely every single person on this planet will have a conviction to NFTs because it is the decentralization and the democratization of investment. So those who don't currently have a conviction towards tokenization of assets will in the future, because it's liberating, it's allowing you to take a portion of an investment rather than having to need hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in order to become an investor. So now a person of limited means can come in and say, hey, I just bought $50 worth of that Fifth Avenue condo that I could have never taken a part of. So it's very liberating. So everybody will have conviction, but the underlying thing is do your research, understand the market, and please, please do not go and say, I like NFTs, I've done my research. I wonder what my idiot friend thinks and I'm gonna do what he tells me to do. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. We are gonna turn the tables. This is, uh, we're moving into the second portion of the show where you take the mic and you become host and ask me any question that you like. Ah, the time to put a Nova Lorraine. <laughs> this is an opportunity. This is just a blessing in life. You know, you have a few blessings in life you're grateful for. This is always <laughs> like one of those. <laughs> Be careful what you do with that blessing, Jaden. I'm just saying. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll reserve it for another talk when I really grill you. But here we go. So let's keep it relevant to our conversation. As an investor, as someone who works very hard to earn their money, and then you're caught in this situation where it's cash is king, cash is trash. There's all these asset classes. Where do I put my money? It's like a storm. What keeps you up at night? What makes you worry? 
about our future, our near future, our long-term future regarding the financial side? Wow, that's an excellent question. And, you know, for me, I would say on the financial side, my interest and my focus is around financial sustainability and how individuals such as myself and other creatives can find new ways to sustain themselves by doing what they love and by doing more things that are creative. And so I would say that's something that keeps me up at night. As it relates to cash, I am absolutely interested and concerned with our future because I see what's happening in terms of the dollar and inflation. And if you're a consumer of any sort, if you just go grocery shopping, if you have a car that still uses gas, you can see what's happening around you. Your money is not going as far as it used to. So then the question is, well, when, where is this going to end? And how does the new digital economy fit into this? When is that seamless integration going to take place? So speaking of interests and convictions, I have a very strong interest in blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, non-fungible tokens, tokenization. And so that's where I'm spending a lot of my time. And that's something that excites me as it relates to how can this new technology help, as you mentioned, liberate more individuals, more creatives to help them become more financially sustainable. The example you gave with the restaurant was perfect because most people hear about this new hype with NFTs, NFTs. And, and of course, the headlines are around these artists that are becoming millionaires, which is fantastic for them. But the lay consumer still is clueless on what is this acronym and how is this going to affect me. And we all have had, most of us have had an experience of eating out and, or even if we just went to a friend's house or a neighbor's house, and if we love the food, how can you support them? How can you be a part of that? And if you have an opportunity to turn that into a residual income back to you, that is empowering. So I love how you describe that. I would say for me, it's what's going to How high is this inflation going to go? When and how can we make this integration into the new digital economy more seamless, where it's benefiting more people rather than harming individuals, you know, in terms of their financial sustainability? And how can we take this new technology and liberate more creatives and artists that are looking for ways to develop new revenue streams? Yeah, so that's a very loaded question. (laughs) Well, that's my answer. You could choose to answer it, but that's my answer to your question. So let's unpack with a little story. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. Once I was at a friend who's going to remain nameless at a friend's uh, condo in Chicago. And this is a very well-off gentleman who has a very, a condo very in a very tall building at the top, right? So I was in his kitchen and I noticed that he had um, a painting in his kitchen hung up. And I'm looking at it closely and I'm like, is that a Van Gogh? And I'm like, what? It can't be a Van Gogh. Why would he have a Van Gogh in his kitchen? It's worth at least 20 million, at least. So it was a party. So I was, a few of us were talking and they're like, it does look like a Van Gogh. The texture is the same, everything is the same, but why would he put a Van Gogh in his kitchen? And then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna ask him. And the others were like, oh, no, you can't ask him. Like, that's so wrong. Like, either way, it's going to cut the wrong way. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to ask him. So I said, hey, listen, Mr. So-and-so, is that a Van Gogh over there? He's like, 
that's right, Jaden, you know your art. That is a Van Gogh. I'm like, it's an original? He goes, yes, it is. I bought it at the last auction, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. But can I just ask you something? Do you cook in this kitchen? Does, is there cooking? He goes, yeah, I cook. It's not like a lot of cooking, but there is cooking here. And I'm like, so you put a, tw- you know, I couldn't <laughs> hold it in any longer. I'm like, so you put a $20 million Van Gogh where there's this frying going on. And he looked at me and he just smiled and he said, yes, exactly. Because I'm displaying a message that I can afford to put a $20 million Van Gogh where there's cooking going on. You know, he didn't say all of this, but he knew me enough where he just said, yes, that is exactly correct and smiled. So he was doing whatever, whether you agree with him or not, is irrelevant to this conversation. What it is, is that in that haunting little engagement, which I still remember, I knew that I could not do that. I could not take $20 million asset and put it in the kitchen because $20 million is a number I've never been very closely associated with. So now we're living in a world where I could actually, or we will be living in a world where I could actually go to this friend and say, wow, you have a Van Gogh in the kitchen. Listen, if you put it in your bedroom instead of the kitchen, I would like to buy a thousand dollars of this Van Gogh. Are you game? And you could put whatever price you bought it for 20. Now you take that asset and classify it as a hundred million dollars. And I will buy a thousand dollars worth of it from you in an NFT, in a non-fungible token. And he'll be like, wait a minute, you are going to basically take my $20 million asset as long as I move it into my living room and I'm going to make $60 million off of it by selling you a portion of it. That's off opening up a whole different economy, isn't it? And that doesn't just apply to this billionaire friend. That applies to everybody. So you walk into your middle America somewhere in suburbia into a $500,000 house where somebody has something of value in their living room. And you're like, hey, listen, if you tokenize this, I would like to invest in it. You see the liberating effect of what something like non-fungible tokens will offer. We will be all be able to tokenize valuable assets and create this sharing of investment opportunities. I love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, you know what I was thinking of when he had that in the kitchen, (laughs) there's a, I think there was, I think it's Oprah who said something like, if you have China, you should use it every day. Like do not wait for that one day of the year or every three years to take out your best China. Like you should be living like life is meant to be lived. And I just saw that as an example of, Hey, if I spent this hard earned money on a Van Gogh, I want to see this Van Gogh every single day. And I'm not buying it for this person and that person to view it in a museum, I'm buying it for my own pleasure. And this is my form of living. So that's what I saw that as when he had it in his kitchen. I was like, you know what? Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not in a box crated up collecting dust. He's enjoying what he invested in. So I think that's amazing that he has that opportunity. That was a really great story. I am going to shift gears to the last section of our show So we have enough time to answer some of our listeners' questions. And do you remember, we did run out of time before we touched on, before we were able to cover all the questions on collectibles. And I think this is still a very valid question right now in this conversation around cash and assets and conviction. The question is, how might a collectible lose its worth over time? 
So if you've spent the time to find out all this about this item and then you end up collecting it, well, how could that collectible, if at all, end up losing its worth? Well, look, at it. this is, believe it or not, a tie into what you were just saying before about boxing and unboxing. What I have to say about that is that make sure you unbox your boxes before God puts you in a box. So as difficult as that is to hear, recognize that it's all about living in the moment, right? So if you have an asset that if you have an asset that is doing great, eventually it will go to zero. Everything will go to zero over time. So you're just riding that trend where it has value and you need to be able to make the most of it for yourself. So you want to take that asset and like, look, baseball cards now came back into fashion. But a few years ago, they were languishing. So, you know, nobody wanted baseball cards. You could go in and buy them wholesale, cratefuls of them. Now we have resurgence, but it could have gone the way of the dodo. It could have gone to the point where it has no value and it still could tomorrow. So all assignment of value is, a, again, a function of human collective understanding. So if we all agree that this has value, we have all agreed that Bitcoin has a value of 20, say $60,000. Then we have reassigned it at 30000 We originally assigned it at 80 bucks. So it's all real-time assessments of everything. So all assets will go up and down based on our collective understandings. So the simple answer to that question is, yeah, it'll go down in value, but you're just buying it at a particular point in time and either trading it out, or if you love something, you're going to hold it forever. If you love your Van Gogh, you're going to hold it and then pass it on to your kids and you're never going to sell it. So you could care less whether it's worth 20 million or 100 million. People buy things because of sentimental value. We talked about that previously. If somebody has sentimental value attached to something, you could offer them whatever money. They're not going to give it up. If it's a family heirloom, if it's something that their mother gave them and they cherish it, and you're like, look, it's an amazing pearl necklace. I'll give you, I don't know, 500,000 for it. And in their mind, they're laughing. They're like, I wouldn't sell it to you for 5 million. It's my mom's. It's my connection to my mother. Are you insane? It's priceless. Mm. Yes, that was really great. So one final question before we wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> and it's around, I would say, cryptocurrency because we're just at the beginning stages. Of course, Bitcoin has been around for a while and then some other coins as it relates to the technology. What words would you leave with as it relates to cryptocurrency? There's so much confusion now, as especially as the markets are down as we are speaking, which we know could go <laughs> just as quickly upwards. What's the takeaway around cryptocurrency? So this is the big takeaway is very good news. While the crypto market may be going, contracting for a bit, crypto has now trifurcated, not as opposed to bifurcated, trifurcated. So what you have is three crypto environments or sectors. One is Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the old coins, right? Like the older generation coins, whether they be Monero or whatnot, those are your older coins. The two new spaces that are, have come online or sectors are DeFi and NFTs. 
Now, the original promise of crypto was applications, right? So, oh, you know, Bitcoin is going to become the new currency, then it's going to become a store of value, then it's going to become the, the new reserve currency. Anything and everything was applied to this one generic crypto market. Now you have DeFi and you have NFTs, and both DeFi and NFTs have real-world application. We didn't touch on DeFi, but NFTs basically have real-world applications, right? Bitcoin is still not being utilized in its original promise it's still becoming like a store of value or the granddaddy or the OG. But NFTs have real value, as we discussed and explored, where it's going to actually have applications. So blockchain's promise is being delivered through NFTs and through DeFi. So those are some of the areas that there's the greatest opportunities because there's application. When iPad came out, the adoption to the iPad was insanely fast, really fast. And the reason why is because it had application. So if something has application, we readily adopt it in, in society rather swiftly. NFTs, DeFi have that. And most prominent will be NFTs because it touches everybody. DeFi touches just the financial markets. And the mic drop. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope our listeners were taking notes. I hope you guys were taking notes. This was some good stuff. Jaden, as usual, is dropping gems. And so, of course, I'm going to bring him back. <laughs> and we're going to talk about some other cool things. And we didn't even touch on DeFi. So, of course, Jane, no, I'm going to have to bring you back so we can touch on that. Hello. <laughs> and maybe even explore NFTs a little further. But also, I do have some burning questions about space. Mm. Okay. So, as a designer, you know, I have to be the one dressing the listen creating the best gowns because that's my thing the best gowns for that space ball <laughs> okay i don't know if it's gonna happen in my lifetime but i am truly intrigued about space again a little birdie told me to come to you and so i'm gonna bring you back and when when we come back together on the show we're gonna talk about that and then not only that as a woman who is a super nerd and loves tech and loves things like space i know there has to be more diversity as it relates to gender equality in these new frontiers. And I'd love to pick your brain around that as it relates to that topic. So really interested in bringing you back around that. So we got a deal? Yeah, absolutely. That's having traversed through history, There, there's elements of the past that apply to our future. And regarding as we move into new frontiers, whether it's in NFTs, whether it's in blockchain or whether it's in space, there are certain missteps we've taken that have resulted in a lot of strife. And uh, many of them go back to the gender inequality situation. So we need to fix those and would love to do a deep dive on that. Yes. Okay. Oh, you got me singing now. So no, we don't want to do that. Not, not just yet. <laughs> <laughs> not just yet. Thank you so much for, I mean, this almost 45 minutes went by so fast. And so I would love to, again, have another conversation soon, 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 soon. So Listeners, look out for that next show coming up very shortly with Jaden. And again, this is another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. Check out the book. It's on Amazon. It's at all your major bookstores. Learn how to increase creativity, have the right mindset for abundance, beat burnout, and of course, survive the crazy, crazy roller coaster ride of creative entrepreneurship. This is Nova Lorraine, your host. Thank you again, my. One of my favorite guests in the world, Jaden Sage, and the author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Future of Money. Thank you again, Jaden, for joining me. And until next time, what was I going to say? 
continue to unleash your supernova. Okay, not awesome. me singing again. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure, Nova. <laughs> All right, until next time, Jaden. <laughs> Bye. Ciao.